You are now listening to The Big Data Beard. Hi, everybody. This is Corey Minton from The Big Data Beard. And today I am excited to have Aaron Banks joining me on the podcast. And uh, we are joined by HY from Aluxio. HY, how are you doing today? Good. How are you? I'm doing wonderful. HY, tell us a little bit about yourself. Great. So uh, uh, my name is Hao Yuan Li, and uh, my English name is HY, my two initials. So I'm the founder and CTO of a company called Aluxio, which is based on the open source technology, which is also called Aluxio. So uh, before the company, before funding the company, I was doing my PhD at UC Berkeley AmpLab, and uh, that's where I uh, co-created this technology, uh, Aluxio. And uh, I've been doing this for several years and uh, with lots of uh, users for our open source technology. And I'm very excited to be here today to uh, share what we're doing, our vision, and uh, where we see and where our users see uh, our technology is helpful and what's a trend in the industry, et cetera. Yeah, excellent. So, so Berkeley Amp Lab, there's only been a few interesting big data technologies come out of there, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, thank you. So, uh, so our lab, uh, we had uh, Apache Spark, Apache Mesos, and, uh, and then it's us. Uh, previously uh, at the lab, we were called uh, Tachyon. And because of some trademark issue, we couldn't use that name anymore, so we rebranded to be uh, Aluxio. Gotcha. So when yeah. when you were when you were at the Amp Lab and when you originally created this technology, help me understand what was the problem that you were trying to solve originally? Yeah. So, so, um, so, so my way of approaching this isn't like uh, at the very early days. I was trying to see what's interesting in the whole IT industry. And I feel we are in a very exciting era, uh, this world, is, which is the data revolution era. So I was thinking, look, if that's the case, like uh, uh, what technology could be some fundamental technology in this, uh, in, this, uh, in this world for the data world? And I thought at the beginning, like storage system would be fundamental. And the reason I had that thinking was that uh, if you look at the value of the data, essentially uh, it's in the data itself. And the technology is to help people to mine and dig value out of the data. So if the data is in the, if the value is in the data itself, so then if you look at the whole data's life cycle, majority of the time uh, the data stays in the storage system. So that's the reason I thought like uh, that's the most sexy thing and we want to we wanna learn, we want to innovate a new storage system. However, the first year I was in Berkeley, I co-created uh, Spark Streaming. I became a uh, Spark, Apache Spark funding committer. I was also learning the whole history uh, of, the whole, of the storage industry for the past 40 years. And I realized there is a pattern. And the pattern is that every five to eight years, there will be another wave of storage innovation, which caused a new generation of storage systems completely disrupting the previous generation. And it is a cycle, it's a cycle. So every five to eight years, it's a cycle. So this, from the ecosystem perspective, this ended up so many storage choices in the world today. 
lots of on-premise, lots of in the clouds as well from all different vendors. And then from the user and organization perspective, they have a fragmented data world, data platform, and they have data silos, which is not uh, avoidable. So that's a challenge. And you don't have a coherent like data platform because of this history and because of the trend. And many people were trying to build a single data platform. And uh, the solution that people have been trying like is that, look, I create a new store system. You put all your data in my store system and it's not going to work. So because of that, we are trying to build a storage, build a data platform, which we call the data orchestration layer, data orchestration system, essentially can virtualize all the data from different storage deployments and enable all the data-driven applications to interact with the data through this new system and with data stored in any storage. So that's the vision we are trying to fulfill. So there's and, the, so there's there's a lot of I mean there's a lot of different storage technologies that have emerged over time and they emerged for different purposes right you know we originally started with SAN technologies because people were trying to aggregate block storage for databases that were supporting enterprise applications and then you had mm -hmm. this explosion of file system storage like you know NFS yep. and SIFS for you know for storing files and productivity data and you know things that people yeah. did with audio video and then you have this object store where you're trying to have people mm -hmm. develop against a common api where you can have you know just big blobs whether on premises or in the cloud like it doesn't matter like you can just develop against a common api mm -hmm. and but but they all exist for a purpose but the purpose wasn't let's go derive value from the data it was just store it somewhere so an application can be used how, how, how is it that, like, what is it that Alexio is doing that to, says, uh -huh. hey, those data sources exist, but we want to start to use them for some data analytics capability? Yes, you are, you are exactly on the point. So fundamentally, there are data-driven applications. There are analytical applications, machine learning, AI applications, Spark, Presto, TensorFlow, etc. All those developers want to build application to leverage the data. So they have two different challenges. The first challenge is that how can they access the data? Because data is siloed at different places. So essentially the status quo is that they have to, before they can access the data, before they can leverage the data in any way, they have to move the data from some different storage system into a new storage system or another deployment so that they can consume the data. That's the first step. And this particular step will take them two, two, two weeks to several months, depends on the company, depends on their internal IT efficiency. So that's the first thing, first challenge they're facing. And the second challenge they're facing is that like, uh, even after moving the data into this new storage deployment, the challenge, the challenge is that the, based on the architecture, the performance, the IO performance is still bad. So the second, second challenge. So to address these two challenges, so to address the first challenge, that's the data orchestration concept we proposed and data orchestration system. Essentially, you can mount any store system, no matter file system, object store, cloud, on-premise, et cetera, mount into a data orchestration system like Alexio as a folder. So Alexio essentially will expose a global file system namespace to all the applications 
uh, on top of the uh, on top of Alexio. So then any Presto application, Spark application, TensorFlow application can just use Alexio namespace to access data from any places. So that's how it addressed the first uh, challenge. The second challenge about the performance when you have the data is that, so today we are living in a world that's a separation of the compute and storage, and that's all the company are going towards. So in that world, the performance, the data, there's no data locality, and uh, that's a challenge. So the data orchestration system like Alexio provides this caching functionality and the policy to move the data uh, between the compute and the storage system. So then to cache the data, the hot data, close to the compute and provide data locality to the compute to solve the second challenge. That's the two uh, uh, challenge uh, we're seeing and uh, how our system, the data orchestration system, Alexio is addressing for uh, our users. So it's interesting because that, that, the idea of data being distributed, I don't think is new. But I think we've we've struggled for years with distributed namespaces and having having actual visibility into the data. So Alexio allows you to obviously mount and and see the data. But how do people know what data is out there to use? I mean, is there uh, is there some cataloging? Is there some sort of function that allows us to see the data, or is it you need to understand where the data is and then mount it through Alexio? Uh, you are exactly on the point. Uh, like this is a big challenge of data cataloging. At the moment, uh, we only provide the namespace. We don't have a data catalog service, uh, but the user can use other data catalog uh, service besides us uh, to make it easy. And in the future, we may have data catalog uh, in our release uh, as a next step. Yeah, so I was like, you know, curious exactly. You were talking a lot about this like multi-cloud kind of capability. So how does this work in a multi-cloud world? That's that's a great uh, great question. So, uh, if you look at the uh, enterprise companies, their journey to the cloud uh, are two steps. Uh, their first step is actually hybrid cloud because they want to keep the data on premise, and uh, because the data is so strategic for them. By the same time, they want to leverage the elasticity of the compute in the cloud. So the challenge for them to do so is that how can their compute in the cloud, leverage data on premise effectively. But that's the first step, hybrid cloud. So that's our number one use case. Essentially, uh, when the user try to do Presto, Spark, TensorFlow in the cloud, have the data on premise, they also co-deploy Alexio with Spark, with Presto in the cloud. And Alexio will manage the data movement and cache the data from on-premise into the cloud with the right security features. So that's the first step, the hybrid cloud. Then the second step of the multi-cloud is that all these companies, they have the multi-cloud strategy and they don't wanna be locked in in any single public cloud so that they wanna say, okay, so I have my applications. My application should be able to run in both different in, in different public clouds without the issue. So the technology like Kubernetes enable the abstraction of the abstraction of the compute in the multi-cloud environment. So it doesn't matter which cloud you run. If you run your application in the Kubernetes environment, it's appear the same to the user, but that's only covers the compute. It doesn't cover the data. So 
the data abstraction Alexio serve uh, the data abstraction purpose. So essentially working closely with Kubernetes, the technology like Kubernetes, so that no matter which cloud a user is running their applications in, they will talk to the same interface uh, Alexio provides to interact with the data, no matter where the data is stored. So that's the hybrid cloud to the multi-cloud and how a data orchestration system uh, like Alexio enables. So, but you need something more than just a distributed namespace for data orchestration to work, right? <laughs> you still have to yeah. figure out, you know, one, you're talking about applications that, as you said, like the idea of having data close to them because they're higher performance. And yep. part of what you're trying to obfuscate in building a global namespace is the challenges that we have with speed of light, right? If you've got data in a cloud and you're trying to run a <clears throat> query on, on uh -huh. premises, Yep. How how is Alexio helping? I mean, we have, clearly, I don't think you. I mean, tell me if I'm wrong. You haven't solved the speed of light, but what is it that Alexio is <laughs> doing beyond the namespace that's helping uh -huh. to give the expected performance that organizations yes. want when developing these AI applications? Yes. So you mentioned that uh, global namespace is a critical feature for this uh, data orchestration system to provide this global namespace for any application based on the policy, right? So how do we provide fast data accessibility? That's the, uh, the uh, multi-tier uh, caching functionality Alexio has, uh, this feature Alexio has, so that so Alexio can cache the hot data uh, for the application in the cloud uh, or close to the compute. And the reason why Alexio can, can do this, there are two reasons. One is from the technology perspective, while the policies to learn what data need to be cached closer to the compute. That's the technology side. And the other side is uh, the workload side. Even though we, we are in this data era and there's a lot of data, but all people know the data has a very strong temporal locality. It means the most recent data has the most value. And uh, there's an industry study uh, actually uh, it's a recent study from Berkeley as well. So on average, uh, around 4% of a user's data is a really hot and warm data. All the rest, they are kind of cold and archival data. So uh, the range goes from 1% to around 10%. Because this percentage is relatively small compared with the overall data size, and also because of the temporal data locality, so what to be cached uh, close to compute is very limited uh, compared to the overall data size. These two things, technology plus the workload characteristic, uh, made it possible for system like Alexio to cache the hot data or warm data close to the compute in the same nodes or in the same data center to enable very fast uh, IO, uh, data IO for the data-driven applications. Interesting. I, I, I'm wondering, so Alexio is, you, you talked about it before, it, it helps organizations that, you know, you, you run in multi-cloud, you run all in cloud, you run in, you know, on-prem and how the enterprise started. How's this thing de deployed? Like how does Alexio get deployed in addition? Is it something like consumed as a software as a service in the cloud? Is it an agent that runs like in my Hadoop cluster or do you set up a separate like computational cluster 
to achieve to, to deliver what you're talking about with Alexio. I see. So I'll answer this in two uh, dimensions. The first dimension is that where Alexio sits in the ecosystem, in the stack. Essentially, it is in the middle between all the data-driven applications like Spark, Presto, TensorFlow, and the storage layer like Amazon S3, uh, like uh, GCP storage, like uh, HDFS, like EMC, ECS, etc. Alexio is in the middle. That's a stack view. Then from the deployment perspective, is that uh, from a user perspective, they, they typically, they don't need to buy or provision any new machine. They only need to deploy, co-deploy Alexio with all the compute nodes. Say you have 100 Spark cluster, 100 nodes Spark cluster, and they are running there. You just add you also you just deploy Alexio also in this 100 nodes as a distributed system, highly scalable distributed system. Some of the large deployment we see uh, single Alexio single Alexio system deployment we see is like 1500 nodes uh, deployment there. Wow! And uh, that's because it's open source. Today we have many many like uh, like deployments in the cloud as well as lots from on-premise. Uh, and uh, that's that's how people deploy this today. Gotcha. So what's, what's your take on the fact that, you know, there's other, you know, vendors in the, you know, we'll call it data infrastructure space, think like Cloudera's of the world, or even in mm -hmm. the, the machine-generated data kind of analytics like Splunk, where they, mm -hmm. they've all kind of accepted that there's this idea that you do kind of need to decouple compute from storage because mm -hmm. of the math you talked about, right? There's hot data that, you know, that you want to pay a premium to have that on very high performance storage media and storage subsystems. But then a lot of that data that's just kind of sitting around and unused, you kind of want to separate it and you want to grow clustered environments separate because sometimes you'll want to grow capacity when mm -hmm. you don't necessarily need more performance. So mm -hmm. does, does that, does that, do those moves affect Alexio's, you know, um, uh, you know, story or value proposition to customers where, when they start to decouple, or is it something that you think is, you know, it, it works together well? So actually we enabled this trend, uh, and, uh, we completely agree with it. And actually we, we have been saying this for more than four years and the industry is moving into this direction. And uh, uh, which is contradictory to uh, like some other vendors message four years ago. But we're very happy that uh, almost uh, most most like major vendors, they have acknowledged this and today and they it is a way to go. And uh, because of separation of the computing storage, the performance is a big issue. And uh, Alexio system, uh, this f caching functionality and policy, uh, and to the workload char characteristic we just talked about, uh, this Alexio system enable this separation of compute and storage without the penalty of the performance. So that's lots of our users are using that using us that way. And the hybrid cloud use case, as I mentioned, is the uh, very beautiful example of this separation of compute and storage and how uh, Alexio system enables this. And uh, we, we are the leader uh, of uh, doing this. And uh, we've been talking about this for more than four years. 
Yeah, so I was like, you know, curious, are there other workloads that you want Alexio to like work with or you just really focus 100% 100% on analytics? Uh, even today is not it's a great question. Uh, appreciate that. So even today is not 100% like uh, analytics. I would say probably 70% uh, analytics, like 25% AI and 5% others. So essentially our goal and our vision is to power all the data-driven applications. And analytics is only one part of that. And AI is the other part. And that's a compute side uh, world uh, ecosystem. And that side, every three to five years, there will be another wave of workloads. So we're very exciting to see that. And we want to power all those workloads. And, uh, and from analytics, it's no brainer. People use like uh, so many Presto users with Alexio, so many Spark users with Alexio. And, you know, we're from the same lab of Amplab UC Berkeley. And uh, from the AI side, we're seeing many more and more, more and more of the uh, TensorFlow, TensorFlow applications uh, on top of Luxio. And uh, particularly uh, the system like TensorFlow, they need to access the uh, like POSIX like API. And uh, because lots of data, they are stored in the object store and we are the perfect bridge uh, to do, to enable uh, TensorFlow on top of system like object stores. And we have, many uh, public use cases on the uh, on our websites uh, talking about this as well. But earlier in the podcast, you were talking mm -hmm. about, you know, this transition or kind of this pivoted, pivot like uh -huh. every five to seven years. And I think you mm -hmm. said you've been around maybe four years. Is that correct? Yes, that's right. Yeah. yeah. So where do you guys see yourself pivoting, you know, inherently in the next you know year or, you know, what, three years? Yes. Uh, so let, let me uh, take a step back. Like, let me talk about these two, two big trends uh, uh, cycles uh, together. So we're in the middle between compute and storage, between data-driven applications and the storage systems. So the data-driven applications cycle is three to five years. There's another wave of new applications, new workloads. And uh, the, the storage side, that's five to eight years. There's another wave of storage systems. So because of that, it's not right to solve the data silo issues, uh, overall data management issues from the compute side. It's not the place to solve it from the storage side either. So it leaves no choice but to create a new layer. That's this data orchestration layer in the middle. So this layer in the middle essentially bridge all the data-driven applications and all the storage systems. As long as a storage system got plugged in into the data orchestration system like Alexio, any application on top will be able to access the data through Alexio uh, stored in that uh, storage system. And vice versa, at the compute side, any new data-driven applications, as long as it can talk to a system like Alexio, it can also interact with the data stored in any storage systems mounted in Alexio. So that's the trend, the history, the trend, and where Alexio play. So then moving forward, there will be more and more storage systems and there will be more and more compute frameworks. So Alexio in the middle, what we need to do is to enable and, and integrate well with all those new storage systems, as well as all the new compute uh, frameworks. 
That's number one. And number two is that at the same time in the middle, we need to innovate and continuously to uh, develop and add new features to bring more values to our users in this middle layer. So that's a two big directions, like two big things uh, we are continuously uh, working on. And that's the direction of the technology as well. So what, what do you think are the big, the next big innovations happening, you know, whether it's in storage or, you know, accelerator hardware, like what do you think the next big innovations are, where do you think they are and how do you think Alexio enables those most effectively? Like we think about, you know, there's all kinds of stuff going on in, uh, you know, accelerator technology around GPUs, FPGAs, custom ASICs, that kind of stuff. But then there's also work being done in the, you know, in the storage media, right? So NVMe and NVMe of our fabrics. How does Alexio, like what's your view? Like what are the next big ones that are going to change things that uh -huh. makes Alexio's story even more valuable? Uh, so that's a great question. So... Alexio in the middle, like uh, like uh, as long as the storage side and the compute side, they keep grow, and uh, the more value Alexio can bring to the user. And uh, then on this on those two layers, what could be some big innovation? You're like you, you give the very great example like NVMe etc. And essentially, that's a new that will be the new storage systems, and with the new storage systems being developed. So how to enable more workloads on those new storage systems? And by plugging those storage systems into Alexio and any workloads Alexio supports, and those storage systems will support right away. So that's a, uh, that's a, that's a uh, relationship between the system like Alexio and the storage systems. And from the compute side, it's a similar story. So from the compute side, there will be new data-driven applications, it'll be more focused, it'll be solution-oriented or, or sector-focused, all those new applications. Those applications fundamentally, as long as they're data-driven applications, they need, to be, they need to access and interact with the data. And typically, the data is siloed in different environments. And the challenge for them before was how to access those data as the number one and then performance as number two. And then Alexio, a system like Alexio will completely solve those two issues and will add more features and or work well with other uh, frame, with, uh, with other uh, software, for example, like data catalog to make uh, the upper layers life easier uh, to interact and to leverage the data they have today. Excellent. So, I, I mean, I saw there's, you give a lot of really cool customers listed on your, uh, on your website, organizations that have adopted it. I'm curious, you know, for, for listeners that, that are, you know, that are tuned in, if you were to say like, these are the, if you're experiencing these two or three things as you're trying to drive data-driven applications, then you need to, <laughs> you need to check out Alexio. What would those, what would those kind of common thread things be that just anybody who's looking at Alexio says, ah, this, this solves these problems for me? Yes. Um, uh, so, so yes, you're right. So, uh, on, on our website, we have a power by page. We're very proud, like, uh, eight of the top 10 internet company in the world that are all running us in production today. And, uh, we see more and more users every single day. Uh, and in the company, we have a wall, like hiding all these logos 
and all this company Alexis Powering were very uh, our engineers our company were very proud of that our community is very proud of that so then the question is that what type of a uh, easy use case uh, no brainer use case uh, someone should consider <clears throat> so number one use case is this hybrid cloud use case so for the company they have the data on premise uh, they want to say oh uh, I want to leverage the compute resource in the cloud they will obviously encounter the first challenge how does the how can the application in the cloud access your data on premise so Aluxio is the solution and we have many uh, use cases like uh, under those logos people can check out on our website uh, very detailed uh, use case uh, blogs etc so that's the first use case hybrid cloud particularly if you are using presto like spark like uh, like uh, hive like tensorflow then no brainer to use Aluxio that's number one uh, and it will enable more workloads and save your cost Make it faster. And number two is a uh, single cloud uh, use case, which is essentially like say you have Spark running in AWS or you have Presto running in GCP. And uh, there are if you are a if you have been using it for some time with some experience, you will know there are quite a few challenges like performance challenge, SLA challenge, cost challenge, user experience challenge, etc. So uh, a system like uh, Aluxio, uh, that's our number two use case, which is single cloud analytics and AI uh, acceleration and SLA guarantee. So we have users uh, doing Presto or Spark in the cloud with Aluxio. Before using Aluxio, every now and then, they have some queries will be very, very slow. So impact their user experience. And with a system like Aluxio, they got very consistent performance. That's number one. And number two, they got overall performance acceleration. And because of these two things, uh, it improved their user experience and reduce their cost uh, spending because it's a reducer compute time. That's the number two uh, use case. And number three use case, which we're seeing some of the leading companies that are in that direction and some of them have already implemented uh, using us, which is a multi-cloud. And we have, we have uh, you know, people running us uh, in both AWS and GCP or AWS and uh, Microsoft Azure, etc. So that's the, the third use case we have with the third use, the third most popular use case, which is the uh, multi-cloud uh, multi use case. And uh, that's major that's a lot we're seeing. And uh, before, uh, some time ago, there are also many, many uh, use cases on premise as well. But for the new deployments, uh, most of the users, they, uh, they have the cloud first like a mindset and, uh, and uh, they deploy in the cloud. Gotcha. So yeah. outside of just, you know, Alexia, you, you are, uh, you know, talking with some of the, I'm sure the most advanced, you know, AI driven companies in the world, you keep your eyes on technology. I'm, I'm curious from your perspective in this, you know, era of AI is everywhere and uh -huh. we're in a data revolution and data science is super popular. What's the, the next sort of emerging technology or trend that you're watching most closely over the next 12 to 24 months? So, um, a lot of times when certain concept is uh, is very very hot uh so it's not typically that particular technology is not in the 
like uh, production mode yet. Uh, it's still in the uh, early evangelization mode, uh, even though it's very hot. And uh, from our perspective, uh, from the AI, from the technology perspective, fundamental framework technology perspective, we believe the system like, uh, like TensorFlow and PyTorch will have continue to have significant growth uh, over the next 12 to, 12 to 24 months. And uh, that's a focus we have and uh, to enable uh, our users to easily and smoothly run all those frameworks on top, those two frameworks on top of us easily. And uh, uh, from the, uh, from, that's from the uh, framework technology perspective. And from the platform perspective, what we're seeing the future is that uh, as a data engineering team uh, in these organizations, how can they enable all these different type of workloads and they uh, easy, easy, easily uh, in the easy to use like data platform on top of data platform. Uh, that is critical to build a scalable infrastructure so that uh, this infrastructure to, can enable all the small business, all the small teams in these companies, all this individual person be able to uh, self uh, self service data, use the data across the enterprise without talking to uh, other people, and uh, to make to make it scalable uh, for as a company as a big organization to make it scalable to leverage the data. So how to combine? this data analytics and AI in a single platform. That's, a, that's a, the other trend, uh, the big uh, topic uh, for the next uh, 12 to 24 months for the AI related. And the third one is more of the use case driven. Like say, we see more and more companies are enabling and innovating uh, more AI use cases uh, on top of existing data. And that's more of a sector uh, oriented. Like for example, we all know self-driving is very hot and uh, there's a lot of AI and machine learning issues there, challenges there, and they, they just have to continuously uh, innovate. That's a uh, three things, three things uh, we're seeing uh, for the future, for the next uh, one to two years. Absolutely. Well, HY, it's been awesome to chat with you about how Alexio is really, delivering that data orchestration layer that is so needed for organizations to develop those data-driven apps. And it's interesting to hear how you're, you know, providing lo data locality in places where we didn't think it was possible, accessibility to run those applications and analytics anywhere, and elasticity to really operate in this multi-cloud world. So thank you for, for sharing all about Alexio. We've learned a lot from our guests about big data, but now it's time to get a bit personal. In a segment we like to call Rapid Fire. Pew, pew. All right, HY. So what's the latest book you've read that you would recommend to our listeners? I typically like to read uh, like startup books and history books. Mm -hmm. uh, so one of the book is very, uh, I like the book a lot. It's called uh, uh, Guns, Germs, and Steel. Uh, that's, a, that's a great book. I would recommend lots of people to read. They give you another perspective. Um, another theory of the difference of different continents, how it's been derived. I, uh, I that's like that actually, a lot. that's in my, uh, it's in my library for uh, uh, audible. Somebody else said that a lot of genomic talk in that thing, I think. Yeah. Yeah. It's give you another uh, theory uh, to explain why uh, different continents have 
their social status, their so,、uh, society development has derived to where it is today.、Uh, why is the difference? And、uh, that, that's a fun book to read. Yeah, awesome. That's great. Now, if you have a song that you would play, like when you walk on stage,、uh, what would it be? Oh,、uh, I typically like to listen、uh, songs. I couldn't uh, like uh, catch the、uh, what they are talking about. <laughs> so in a song, so so、uh, so I I don't have a name of a song, but I,、okay. if I walk on the stage, I love to listen、uh, like classic music.、Uh, that that's I like that type of music. It's fun. It's、uh, give you peace of mind. <laughs> Okay, but then like when you when you want to like pump people up and you want to get them like excited about you like getting on stage or you know having that conversation with them like what do you think like what song represents you the most would it be classical or would it be something else? Uh, I, I when I think about the future when I think about the technology we're building and and the world is innovating myself got very very excited so so.、Nice. Uh, Yeah, myself got very very excited. So I need that type of music to calm me myself down a little bit. And、uh, but at the same time, I will try to convey. I will convey my excitement to、uh, to the audience. Perfect. And, I、uh, love that. Yeah. So, what's the one piece of technology that is making your life worse? So everything has two sides, <laughs> and every technology、uh, making certain things better and make the other side worse. And、uh, for example. Like cell phone, mobile, right? So smartphone,、yeah. it's a great innovation, and、uh, it makes、uh, supposed to make people more effective. More,、uh, I, I I hope so. There's I don't know. There's any study? I I, I didn't read any, but at the same time,、uh, you are always plugged in, and、uh, you know, like、uh, it's reduced the quality、uh, when you spend time with our friends or family. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Sometimes I wonder if like technology is worth it if it's if it's helping us in any way, except for causing more pain when it breaks and、uh-huh. we you know we don't know how to read maps anymore. We don't know how to get anywhere without a GPS. So,、uh, yeah, totally agree.、Um, so, what would you say is your biggest money pit right now? Yeah,、uh, I don't have a particular、uh, like place like to、uh, so called money pit, but like you know, like I like to、uh, buy. Movies, uh, digital movies. You know, you buy a license, and、uh, you, mean, you don't buy, you don't buy you don't buy DVDs anymore. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, sometimes I buy that, and I feel like in the future I watch it. But、uh, I mean, I, I, a lot of them I haven't watched them yet. So,、uh, and、uh, you know, I like to、uh, eat good food. The life is short, so、uh, yeah. so try to enjoy that piece.、Uh, you got to spend the time eating anyway. <laughs>、uh, as well enjoy it, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly.、Like、Are you yeah, watching yeah, any yeah. TV or anything? Like any TV shows? Yeah, like I mean, I have the you know typical things like Netflix, HBO type of things. Yeah. And, so,、uh, are you binging on anything in particular? Like HBO,、um, Netflix. There's a show called a.、Uh, Uh, Marco Polo's, but Marco Polo. That's great.、Love、yeah, that yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's a great show.、Uh, they only had two seasons, unfortunately, but I like that show. Yeah. Yeah, and then do you have any like interesting places that you're going to next, or plan to, or would like to? Yeah, yeah. So actually, I just came back from France last week, nice. and uh, and uh, I'll go to a German uh, 
next weekend. Uh, <laughs> so that's awesome. Nice. Yeah, yeah, it's really fun. <laughs> well, HY, it has been awesome to have you on, get to know you a little bit, and learn how Luxio is really powering the next generation of data orchestration. Thanks for being on with the Big Data Beard. Thanks for listening to the Big Data Beard podcast. The music from this episode is by Andrew Bell. Check him out on iTunes or Spotify. And be sure to smash that thumbs up button so we can keep the episodes coming. Until next time, keep being awesome.